Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. If you've been on the dating scene for long enough, or not even all that long, you've probably heard this one before. It's not you, it's me. Maybe you heard it when they were breaking up with you. I need to be on my own for a while. I just need some space. I got to figure some stuff out. It's not you, it's me. Or perhaps you heard it as an explanation for why they won't commit. I don't know what's going on with me. We have this great connection. I love spending time with you. I don't know. Maybe I'm just emotionally unavailable or something. It's not you. It's me. And you'd like to believe it because, yeah, it's got to be them because you did nothing wrong. You were loving and attentive. You laughed together all the time. You guys had that same quirky sense of humor. You have the spark and the chemistry. So it's got to be about them and not you, right? And your friends tell you, you can do so much better. He doesn't deserve you. He's an idiot to leave you. But your heart isn't buying it. Your heart's broken. And it's pretty sure you did something wrong. It's your fault. They left. You did something. I wanted to address this topic because of a question I recently got, which I covered the first part of this question on my latest IGTV Q&A. So let's take a listen to that question and then move forward from there. First question. I was asked, if you ever are going to do an IGTV about being a placeholder, my question would be, I dated a guy for two months and I saw it how I wanted it to be. He never agreed to be with me properly and he told me he wasn't ready, etc. And he couldn't handle a relationship right now as he had his own issues. But then I see he's on a dating app and he's looking to settle. I'm very confused. And my first thought is, I don't think you are that confused. I mean, you asked the question starting out with, am I a placeholder, basically, you're asking. And you also recognize that you were seeing the relationship for what you wanted it to be. And we all have been guilty of that. We we see through the lenses that we want the relationship to be and we dismiss information, those red flags that are telling us otherwise. And that happens, it does. and. I think he was telling you the truth in a sense that he's not ready, but also the reality is we do often become ready if we meet that right connection. And it sounds like he had a really nice time with you and he enjoyed what you guys had, but it wasn't the level of connection that would cause him to give the commitment. And if you remember from my last IGTV, I talked about Sternberg's triangular theory of love and the three prongs of love, that what we're all looking for is consummate love, or what we call the total package. And that would be the passion, the friendship, and the commitment. And it sounds like you guys had two. You had the passion, you had the friendship, 
but you didn't have the commitment because he wasn't feeling for whatever reason. And he might not even be able to articulate why he wasn't feeling that he could commit to you. And I talked about this in my episode on closure on the podcast. I think it's episode 69. I talked about when I was on the receiving end where I wanted the closure and then when I was also being asked to give closure. And it's hard. Even people who are very much analytical and feel like we're in uh, we're pretty on top of or in touch with our emotions sometimes it's hard for us to fully explain why a relationship isn't working and i think he just didn't feel that extra element that he needed to feel and it's not about you it's just about the connection and it wasn't there for him so my recommendation is just to go with your gut you know it you you know you asked in the question you feel like you were a placeholder and there's no shame because you you didn't know, but now you know. And I would just recommend, first and foremost, that you just remember it's not about you. It just wasn't a fit. Painful, yes, but you can decide how devastating it is. You know, it's only been a couple months and you can move on and know that it wasn't about you, it just wasn't the connection. After I posted the IGTV, I received this DM from the woman who'd posed the question. Just watched your latest IGTV and thank you so much for answering my question. I wanted to give you a few more details. This guy used to flake on me all the time, and also he dealt with depression. I'd like to ask, I'm finding it extremely difficult to not take his decision personally. You said it's not me, but I feel it was me. I feel like it was something I did or could have done differently, and it kills me every day. Can you please help with this? Thanks. So I assured her that I'd speak to this in depth in another IGTV or on the podcast. And in the meantime, I recommended that she check out some of my podcast episodes on breakups. Episode 11, called Bad Breakup, Take Charge of the Pain, in which I share in depth the worst breakup of my 27 years of dating history with Dylan and how it wrecked me and what I did to process the pain, which was write a lot of Angry Girl songs, uh, one of which is actually used in the beginning of this podcast every week. That guitar riff you hear is from a song called You Made Me. So if you're interested in that, or if you're in the process of heartbreak recovery, that could be helpful for you. Episode 11, Bad Breakup, Take Charge of the Pain. Episode 12 also deals with breaking up. It's called Breaking Up is Hard to Do. Can we get better at it? And I interview a woman from the UK who's a breakup coach named Laura Yates. So that could also be helpful for anyone who's going through that right now. So I shared those with her. And she wrote back, I've dealt with breakups before, but this was different in that we weren't actually labeled. I thought we were going in the right direction, but he was always bailing, and silly me, I kept trying and trying. I know now he was trying to give me hints all along, but I didn't want to listen. It's just I feel there's something about me that wasn't good enough. I know I'm better than this. And that's the thing. When we get the, it's not you, it's me, we know in our minds that we're better than this. We know we shouldn't be treated this way. And we even can acknowledge that we ignored the signs that were right there. 
And even though we know intellectually that we're better than this whole situation, sometimes deep down, we still worry that we did something wrong. It's all our fault. If we hadn't said this and that, if we hadn't done such and such, if we weren't so, whatever it is. I told her again that she deserved someone who wanted to be with her as much as she wanted to be with him. And here's what she replied. That's what everyone tells me. Even though this is another issue, when people say that to me, it's like that doesn't make any difference to me and my feelings. And I responded with, that's why we can't always trust our feelings. We can trust our gut, but not our feelings. We need to take charge of our thoughts and let our thoughts change our feelings. And as you know, that is grounded in CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, which is shown in many, many, many research studies to be the most effective for changing our emotions, our depression, and our anxiety by going to their source, our thoughts. And I share all this because I know that I've felt these emotions and I know that others have felt these emotions. So though this is one listener's experience, I know that many of us resonate with it. Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The Perfector takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. Let's back up a bit and touch on all the key points. I did a quote on Instagram recently, and it went like this. He's not your boyfriend until he says he's your boyfriend. And you had a lot to say about that quote. Many of you came from the perspective of, yep, I've been there and done that, made that mistake. Others said, yeah, but I thought we were like this listener who I'll call Rachel just to make things easier. Many of you, like Rachel, were saying, I I saw the signs. I didn't want to see them. I put on my rose-colored glasses and ignored those red flags waving that indicated he was not clarifying who we were, what we were, because he didn't want to, but I kept going forward. And then many of you said, you know, yeah, I should have known better, but I didn't. And he he duped me. But really, we can't control anyone duping us. All we can control is our own responses and our own decision-making. And that's what a lot of you were saying in response to the quote. But the quote relates here because obviously Rachel mentions that she saw what she wanted to see and that he was flaking out on her all the time. And obviously his behavior then was giving her a signal that he was just not that into her. But she kept hope alive and she kept taking it when he would bail out on her or mistreat her or 
his depressive episodes she mentioned as well, she kept taking it. And this leads me to one of the top mistakes that we can make when beginning to hang out with someone who we want to potentially be in a relationship with. And this mistake is giving too much. It's a little counterintuitive because what happens is we think, I'm going to show him how wonderful I am and I'll win him over even if he's giving me signals that he's not certain. I'll win him over and I'll make him fall in love with me because I'm just that wonderful and devoted and committed and I'm going to show him what a great girlfriend I'll be. Or we say something like, I don't want to play any games. So if I feel something, I'm going to say it. And if I feel like doing something, I'm going to do it because I am not about all those head games. But what this does is makes us all too available. Now we can talk about men liking the chase, and I do think that there's something to that. Men like a challenge. Men want to strive for something and be the one who wins it. And we can get into some sort of anthropological conversation about this and if this is true about men in all cultures worldwide and since the dawn of history, but I really don't want to go into that necessarily. It, it bears mentioning, but really it's not even about men as much. It's about all of us. All of us value something we have to work for. By part of the effort that we exert in order to get something, it elevates the value of that something, which is another reason why parents don't want to pave the way and make everything so easy for kids because then they value nothing. And so even with any kind of relationship, to make yourself too available too soon just downgrades your own value. In the eyes of the person who's going to be in a relationship with you, you're downgrading your own value. And you're also downgrading your value within yourself. You start losing your own self-respect, which is the most important aspect of this scenario. Again, I'm not talking about playing games. I'm talking about self-respect. And what happened with Rachel is that she established a dynamic where he could treat her however he wanted and she would still be there. And again, she probably was thinking, but I will show him how committed and devoted and attentive I can be. And that will win him over. Then he'll want to date me legitimately. And oftentimes that includes having sex with a guy who is not committed to us. And then our emotions and our biology starts kicking in in ways that we don't fully understand. And it has to do with oxytocin and it has to do with the bonding that occurs with skin-on-skin contact that is different for women than men. So there's that reality as well. All of this wraps up into a situation in which we lose self-respect. They lose respect for us. And they are less likely to ever commit to us legitimately because we were too available at the onset. So part of self-respect and part of being reasonable in your approach to a burgeoning relationship is to not give more than you should at that particular time. And again, I'm not talking about playing hard to get. I'm talking about being hard to get. 
because you are precious. You are valuable. You are extraordinary. You are unique. You are something to be cherished. So you should be hard to get. Some guy shouldn't be able to just give you his cell phone number and start blowing up your phone and then get the fullness of you, get every wonderful element of you just served up on a silver platter because you've known him for three minutes. But I get how it happens because we have it twisted. We think, I will show him on the front end how great I will be and how great we'll be together and then he'll commit. But it just doesn't work that way. And again, it's not about being snotty or thinking you're too good for somebody or trying to play games. It's about self-respect and knowing what you're worth and also knowing how human nature works. Which leads me to a little psych research, of course. A study by Jecker and Landy found something that's so counterintuitive, it's really remarkable. This is a very famous study in social psychology. And it's called liking a person as a function of doing him a favor. We would think that if I do you a favor, you're going to like me more, right? That makes sense. I did something nice for you and now you like me more than you did before. But what's interesting is it actually works in a different direction. Research shows that if I do you a favor, I like you more. Here are the details of the study. Jecker and Landy had participants compete in an intellectual contest, and then the winners were given some prize money. Then the winners were split up into three groups. Group one was asked by the researcher, hey, can I have that money back because I was using my own money to fund this study and I'm running low on funds. Group two was asked by a secretary if they would return the prize money because it was departmental money and they needed the funds back. And group three was allowed to keep their prize money. Now, obviously, these requests were made individually, so people in group one didn't know what was going on with group two and three and so forth. Then each participant was asked how much they liked the researcher. Now, logically, one would assume that the participants who got to keep the money would like the researcher the best. I participated in this study, I did this contest, and I won some money. Yay! Like that guy. Good times. But here's what's fascinating. The participants who were actually asked by the researcher and gave back the money rated him most favorably. The people who liked the researcher the least was the group that had been asked by the secretary to return the prize money. But the people who liked him best were the ones who had been asked a favor by him. Hey, as a favor to me, can you give me back the money I just gave you? And they did it and they liked him for it. Super counterintuitive, but fascinating. And how does this apply to our discussion today? When we're getting to know someone and thinking maybe we'd like to date them and we keep doing them favors by being consistent and being available and being accommodating and not making a fuss when they bail out on us and, oh, it's no big deal. When we do these favors for this person, we like him more. It doesn't work the other way. He doesn't like us more. So here we are 
hoping to have this relationship develop. And we're putting all this energy in, giving these favors, and we are developing more and more feelings, and the other person is not. So when Rachel did him the favor of, hey, no big deal when you flake out on me, or yeah, hang out with your friends even though you made plans with me, all this did was cause her to like him more because she was doing him the favor. Same goes for any kind of friends with benefits situation. We talked about the physiology a few minutes ago, but also you're doing him the favor of having sex with him and you like him more. Researchers interpret this phenomenon as being due to the fact that when I do a favor for you, I need to justify why I did the favor for you. And I do that with a simple explanation. I did the favor for you because I like you. So we have to be very careful. I'm not saying we don't do favors for people. Absolutely not. But when we're in the dicey and very delicate space of love, establishing connections, hoping to build a relationship, we have to be careful that we don't put the cart before the horse. We can't be too available and recognize that whatever we're doing in that nebulous space between meeting someone and then having a definitive conversation about what this relationship is, there is some back and forth that we need to be very mindful of. And if we start doing favors for this person, just understand we're the one who will continue to catch feelings and they may not at all, even though we think that they would love to be with us all the more so because we've shown them how great we are and how great a relationship with us could be. So be very careful of that and use this psych research for your own knowledge base to help you make informed and smart decisions. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast, and I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page, and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May, tim at loveandlifemedia.com. And one final element to unpack a bit in Rachel's story. Rachel worries that there's something she did, that ultimately, no matter how much her friends say that she deserves better, and no matter how much I told her on the IGTV, it's not you it's truly just the connection wasn't the right fit for him. She still feels like if she'd done something differently, if she'd said something differently, if she were a different person, 
Maybe that would have been enough. Now, we can go into this whole thing about self-esteem and feeling better about yourself. And that's great. I'm all about us empowering each other and empowering ourselves all the time. And I don't know Rachel personally, so maybe she does have some self-esteem issues to address, which, of course, I highly recommend therapy and self-help books and the like. But I think often what's going on, and I talk about this in the first chapter of my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. What I think is often going on here is not so much a self-esteem issue. It's a control issue. Because we want to control our love life in much the same way we've controlled other elements of our lives. Because most of the areas of my life, I can see the goal, I see the prize, and I know that if I put in the grit and put in the hustle, I can get there. I can get that prize, I can hustle and get my degree. I can work hard and get that job promotion or whatever it is. We know that when we put in the effort, we can get the reward. But love does not work that way. And I think Rachel's analyzing what went down in this two-month relationship and she's going, wait a minute, I could have controlled this if I'd just been savvy enough, if I'd just been able to read him and figure out what he wants, I could have changed the outcome of this situation. But I think most of the time when we're doing that sort of analysis, we couldn't have changed the situation. It just wasn't a match. And all that ruminating does It's an effort to control what is not in our control. And it makes us question ourselves and doubt ourselves. And it's not helpful. Now, of course, sometimes we absolutely should examine the past and question our behavior. If we, for example, got real hammered one night and called him up at 3 a.m. and started yelling at him because of some comment he made on some woman's Instagram post, which was none of our business in the first place. Yeah, maybe that's something we need to look at, recognize we made a mistake, and resolve to do things differently next time for sure. But more often, When we're looking at the past, we are trying to figure out something we could change about ourselves that would have made him fall in love with us. And that is so troubling because then it moves from us being a control freak to us trying to change ourselves to make ourselves acceptable to some man. And that is a horrible way to go about dating. You want to find the person who loves you for who you are. Yes, you want to do the best you can and present your best self and not make stupid mistakes like getting drunk and calling someone at 3 a.m. Of course. But the problem with all the overanalyzing is that we get it twisted. You're not out here dating trying to figure out what guys want so that you can mold yourself into the perfect candidate for what men desire, you're out here to be yourself and find a guy who's a great fit for you because he honors you and values you and cherishes you for who you are. So honestly, sometimes when they say, it's not you, it's me, they're lying. You did do something. You did say something. 
and they didn't like it. And our response to that has got to be, okay then, we're not a match. Our response cannot be, no, 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 oh, I'll change, I'll be whoever you want me to be, I promise, I, I, I'll figure it out. I will absolutely change myself entirely to be whatever woman you need me to be, okay? Cool, let's do this. Women have worked way too hard and come way too far to take that kind of attitude and approach to dating. And it's also a horrible foundation on which to try to establish a relationship with one person trying to cajole themselves into an acceptable version of whatever the other person wants. A strong foundation on which to build a relationship consists of two people coming together. They're strong, they're independent, they're self-assured, they respect themselves and respect each other. They don't need each other, but they want to be together because they value and cherish what the other person has to offer. That's the type of relationship we're after. That's the type of relationship that's worth working toward. And that's the type of relationship I want for all of you. The love and life hack for this week is a quote from Ben Franklin. He that has once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he whom you yourself have obliged. Remember, when you do them a favor, it makes you like them more. And finally, when they say, it's not you, it's me. They might be lying, but so what? Because if they don't want you for who you are, you don't want them anyway. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends and leaving reviews. That makes such a difference, and I'm so grateful for it. And if you have a question, head over to my website. You can record it on the homepage in an audio file, or you can fill out a message on the subscribe page, and I'll answer your question in a podcast episode or an IGTV so we can all learn from one another's questions. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.